You are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends, your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound, LGB on the LOB, Locked On Browns, brought to you by the Locked On Podcast Network, free available on any platform where you get your podcast. Make sure you're subscribed or following the Locked On Browns podcast with a five-star rating and written review. Your host, Jeff Lloyd, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. The show itself, at Locked On Browns, follow back account, DMs are open. It is your week two Locked On Browns pregame show as the Browns have their home opener Sunday, one o'clock, as they will face off against the Houston Texans. Uh, today's episode of Lockdown Browns is brought to you by Lockdown NFL Sunday. Looking for a Sunday pregame show that talks about every game and every team in depth? Check out the Lockdown NFL Sunday show live every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern. No sketches, no celebrity cameos, no fluff, just football. Every Sunday morning with host Cody Roar and Ross Jackson. Follow and subscribe to Lockdown Live on Twitter, Facebook, Twitch and YouTube, and don't forget to turn on your notifications to be notified when the show goes live every Sunday morning at 11 Eastern. As I said, it is your Lockdown Browns pregame show week two. Uh, Houston Texans coming to town. Obviously, a lot of uh, familiar faces with the Houston Texans. The news this morning, and Pete Smith from Sports Illustrated along from the ride, Um Pete, uh, Anthony Walker, a late addition yesterday to the injury report with a hamstring. And not as it only was it just a late addition to the injury report. The news this morning from Mr. Adam Schefter, Anthony Walker going on IR. So out for a minimum three weeks. Uh, not ideal, Pete. But um, again, this makeup of this defense is not really necessarily about the linebacker position. We'll start on the defensive side of the ball here. Um, your most active linebacker in week one, eight, uh, nine, uh, nine total tackles, eight solo. Um, but your uh, signal caller on defense, uh, you know, out anywhere from three weeks to a month. Uh, yeah, so that's the first part of this is who's going to make the calls. I would hope it's going to be John Johnson, which is what I thought it should have been from the beginning, um, because that just gives you more flexibility with who's on the field at linebacker. Uh, but it's not a small deal just by virtue of the fact that the Browns are – getting thinner at linebacker. Um, you know, that they've got options in terms of how they want to do this. Do they want to put Sione Takitaki in the middle? Do they want to uh, sign Elijah Lee to the active roster, which is kind of what I think will happen, and have him start uh, playing more or at least be accessible to play that uh, middle linebacker spot since that's what he was doing in the preseason? Uh, you know, Malcolm Smith is technically listed on the depth chart, but I don't really feel like that was ever based in reality just made the depth chart look better. Uh, but overall, you know, the, the answer is to play less linebackers, but it's still a challenge. So I think it's going to probably be a little bit of a, a mix, um, a, a mix of, uh, Sione Takitaki on running downs and, and maybe, uh, someone else on pure passing downs, but, it's possible that Sione Takitaki, he's never really been great at Mike, but maybe this is an opportunity for him to to get better um, 
give them that physicality without having to put a third linebacker on the field. And you have to, you know, they're going to run the ball with Mark Ingram as part of what they do. Um, and very, very weird dynamics with what's going on in the Houston Texans right now. Um, and I've mentioned this a couple of times, and I've, you know, done some Texans talk this week on some other podcasts. You know, the Texans, you would think everything would be pointing towards essentially tanking. Um, but unlike other teams in their position, you know, the Texans still have Deshaun Watson. So wherever the draft position ends up, it ends up, but they still have obviously a huge, huge, uh, asset, you know, for flexibility in, you know, where they're drafting, if they want to move up, so be it, they have, uh, that with Deshaun Watson. So this is not a team that's just coming in, you know, and basically, even though they're going to be a poor team, they're not going to be very successful. Um, it's not a very young team. It's a very, uh, veteran laden team offensively. You talk about, uh, Mark Ingram, you talk about Brandon cooks and of course, good friend, Tyrod Taylor, Pete. Well, they've got eight former Browns on the team. Um, and with the exception of maybe Vincent Taylor, who unfortunately is injured, I don't think the Browns want any of them back. Uh, Tyrod Taylor's <laughs> fine. I just, you know, he, he can do all the things the Browns are saying he can do. He just doesn't do them very consistently. And I don't know how much help he has. Uh, the fact that they beat arguably a slightly worse team than them doesn't really tell me that they're a very good team. Um, they're just, you know, if you're just going through the, the 22 guys who would start, maybe that changes now with Anthony Walker out, and you're just going, who who's better on each team? It feels like the Browns, if they, if it's not 22 out of 22, it's like 21 out of 22. Mm -hmm. They're just simply better, uh, across the board than the Texans. So, I mean, it, it, it really does have a varsity versus JV feeling with it in terms of the former Browns players on it. Uh, Jay, uh, Jeremiah Wusu-Koromawa, only 16 snaps last week. And maybe part of that was, you know, you don't want to get the rookie's head spinning, get his confidence down against the teams like Kansas City, which could be understandable. But this might open the door there, Pete. Um, you know, like I said, there is some more old school just running the ball with Mark Ingram. You know, understanding that you don't have the firepower, as you mentioned, on offense or necessarily really on defense. Uh, so you try to shorten the game, run the ball, make things easier. Um, but this, whether the Browns maybe are ready or not, this could be the opportunity now where, you know, Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa sees some more meaningful reps and a larger snap count Sunday in the home opener. Sorry, say that again. Jay, okay, this has got to be, you know, maybe whether their hand is tipped or not, this has got to be the week where, you know, maybe the reps are going to pick up <clears throat> whether, you know, the Browns were truly ready for it or not. Um, I, I don't know if it does. I mean, unless they put <laughs> Mac Wilson um, uh, at Mike, like maybe uh, if the Texans are determined to just throw the ball around the entire time, then maybe that's the way they do it. But if it's – if it's a lot of Mark Ingram, I, I don't think they're going to put JOK out there. So I, I think it's largely going to be based on situation. Or if the Browns get a lead, um, then then th they can transition to that sort of uh, defensive look that's designed to just kill you know kill the passing game and and do that. But I just don't, based on what I've seen, I, I don't think they're going to just say. Uh, we're going to just throw them out there and see what happens. So you know, as much as that would still be preferable to me, I mean, I think Malcolm Smith is, is better than Mac Wilson, although he played like crap on 
uh, against the uh, Chiefs. I think JOK is still going to be sort of eased in there because they don't need him. Um, I think they're going to continue to put uh, him in the best situation possible for him to succeed uh, and continue to grow. Maybe they'll expose him to a little bit, but he's just like if, he, if you're just trying to ram it down down the Browns' throat. He, I mean, uh, looking at the the press conference the other day, he looks like a corner. I mean, I know he's like at least close to 220 pounds, but he just doesn't, he hasn't filled out that way yet. So he just doesn't look very big. I think it's going to get, he's going to get more and more and more as we go, but I think it's going to be a slower process than maybe some teams, some people like, unless the Browns, you know, go up two scores and then he can be freak out there constantly because he can blitz and, and run and cover and those type of things. Uh, we haven't done this one in a while, Pete. This is always one of our uh, favorite segments on the pregame. And it's probably even more fun to do this now with the additions of JDB and Clowney, with Malik Jackson, uh, with Malik Dowell showing that, you know, he maybe truly could have some staying power within this defensive line. Pete, where's the turd on the offensive line? And, you know, for the Houston Texans offensive line, how do you handle this? I mean, you're literally facing, you know, four on some occasion, you know, four, whether it's Tack McKinley, five. <laughs> There is a lot of pass rush coming Tyrod Taylor's way Sunday. Well, I mean, look, the, the Browns right now, you know, had a good-looking defensive line uh, coming into coming into the year with Dak McKinley and Jadavian Clowney and Miles Garrett and all these guys. Uh, you know, Malik Jackson and then and Jordan Elliott, and then all of a sudden you just out of nowhere you get Malik McDowell who is just fantastic. Like he's been a revelation of sorts. So um, that is a potential game changer for you uh, in terms of what it allows you to do. Obviously they've, you know, they've updated the, the, the uh, depth chart to to reflect that he's a starter. Again, those things don't mean much to me, but just in terms of matchups he makes a ton of sense against a lot of teams. I think the Andrew Billings style is for teams like, the Chicago Bears and the Baltimore Ravens and the New England Patriots, where you're expecting to just get a lot of pounding of the football, and that um, Malik McDowell is a little more well-rounded, can do more in terms of pass rush, uh, has a little more activity. But to answer your question, right now it's Titus Howard, um, their left guard. Based on the first week, he was awful. In fact, Laramie Tunsil was awful too. So I mean, that left side is where they had their issues. Um, so I we'll see how that, that how that goes. I mean that could easily be Miles Garrett and and Malik McDowell over there uh, with with Clowney going against uh, Marcus Cannon. Um, so we'll see. It, I, like none of them are Marcus Cannon is their best. I don't know if any of them are particularly good. I don't feel like you know the Browns are going to have to find someone to take advantage of so much as <laughs> just Titus Howard was really dreadful. Uh, the first game of the year and look you go into this and you know and you know I, the line whether it's the uh, betonline.ag if it's at you know anywhere from 11 and a half to 12 and a half um first things first it's weird just even talking about the browns being this big of a favorite um and you know i think it's an attainable number um but defensively look we're looking for overall growth here this week you're looking you know for improvement as you know everybody starts to you know uh you know 
basically start to the rust comes off as far as relationships and learning each other, learning each other's tendencies. We might get our first opportunity here to see Grant Delpit this week take some live reps for the Cleveland Browns, which um, the secondary had a nice week one. You know, looking to look for the growth there. The linebacker position, you know, as we discussed, there's going to be changes there this week here in week two. But again, this is always a group where it's you know they try to piecemeal it together at the linebacker position. It's never about one player. And opportunities here for the defensive line to have a really good week. I mean, really good week, yes, of course, and eat pretty well. So your keys on the defensive side of the ball. We're going to flip it up here. We'll go to the offensive side of the ball, third section, uh, third uh, segment. We'll get to uh, predictions, obviously, and things of that nature. As, again, you know, 1 o'clock Sunday, Houston Texans come to town. Cleveland Browns, uh, regular season at home is open for business. Remember, folks, in the Muni lot, apparently, you're not supposed to be drinking there, so be careful with that, folks. What's your favorite Built Bar flavor? Did you know that Built Bar has nine delicious flavors plus the occasional limited-time flavor? When you talk to a Built Bar fan, they are definitely passionate about their favorites. So if you don't know the Built Bar lineup now, well, you're missing out. Coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel. So there is something for everyone. The mint brownie still queen of the Lloyd household tastes like the Girl Scout cookie can't beat it if you haven't tried all the flavors you should get a mix box where you'll get two of each of the nine flavors for 18 bars in total not only built bar flavors the best tasting but they are healthy too most of the uh, flavors have 70 grams of protein only 130 calories only four grams of sugar and only four grams net carbs go to builtbar.com right now use promo code LOCKED15 L-O-C-K-E-D, all caps, 15, and you get 15% off your first order. Again, the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Offensively, Pete, and we already have our first question on the offensive side of the ball this week. Um, as of right now, Friday morning, um, and I, I don't I don't believe anybody believes that Jedrick Wills is going to play this week. I mean, you can say day-to-day all you want. Um and of course, <clears throat> Chris Hubbard, he is dealing with an injury, has not practiced yet to this point. Um, not a situation you necessarily want to be in. And this Houston Texans defensive line and pass rush certainly is not what it used to be um, years ago with J.D.B. and Clowney. Obviously, J.J. Watt, Whitney Merciless, basically the only man left standing, so to speak, for the Houston Texans defense. But not a huge issue, Pete, but certainly not ideal. Well, it- Neither one, neither uh, Wills or Hubbard has practiced this week, which is never what you want to see. Um, if they don't practice today, I expect they're done. Um, I, I, I frankly expected Wills to be out this week anyway. Um, okay. Potentially like a, a Beckham situation in, in, in the sense of we're not too worried about it this week. But uh, I will be stunned if they put the rookie out there. I, I just – it seemed really weird to go from being inactive to now all of a sudden we trust you enough to start on the left side. Well, they, because they have a guy who can theoretically play all five spots and has in, in Blake Hans. Blake Hans played left tackle, obviously in a pinch in the playoff game on no preparation. Uh, so uh, it seems like they would have uh, uh, been practicing him. I don't know if like that when they mentioned Hudson, if it was sort of like, in terms of he'll be active as opposed to inactive, but just in terms of a guy who's done it 
and has the body type and all these things that could be successful, even if you're sort of running away from him a little bit, would be Hans. And he's 6'6", 310, um, like I said, has done it. So I will be stunned if if Hudson is out there because, you know, saying – I think it was Alex Van Pelt who said his, you know, the arrow is pointed up. Well, the arrow may be pointed up, but it was from a position of being totally unplayable. Um, I don't know if we've jumped to playable in, in about a week. So that's where I, I think Blake Hans is ultimately going to end up there. Um, but stranger things have happened. Even if Hudson were to start, I wouldn't, I'd be stunned if he, if he stayed in there. You just, you cannot, possibly think they're going to risk Baker Mayfield with James Hudson, a left tackle. No, I, I don't see that. And you know, the other thing is, is, you know, with Hans having, you know, had taking game reps, there, meaningful game reps there. And to this point, you know, the Browns have not seen anything where they can't trust him. Um, but, you know, you don't want to use the old, you know, anybody using the old phrase of uh, next man up when you're talking about your left tackle. That's just insane. And for those few people who suggested it, for good God, people, Joe Batonio was never going back to play left, ta- left tackle. Can we stop with these conversations of 2018 and 2019? For God's sakes, Joe Batonio is a all pro left guard and a damn good one. You don't move him. Um, just asinine in its face with that. Um, you go through this Texas defense, Pete. And again, I mean, there's names that stand out. The only reason they stand out is because we know them, whether it's Christian Kirksey, uh, whether it is good old friend uh, Terrence Mitchell. Um, but it, it, on pay, even on paper, I mean, you know, other than Reed, the safety, you know, I, maybe Zach Cunningham who's not a bad player. This defense is – it lacks talent. I mean, a lot of these guys – I mean, this is kind of where we are here. I mean, if you're talking about people, players that weren't good enough to even, you know, sniff being part of the Browns' 53-man roster for 2021, kind of tells you where, you know, it's not that the Browns roster isn't good, but these are, you know, these are guys who go play for the bottom barrel teams in the league. Uh, Jacksonville, you know, struggled, you know, Trevor Lawrence with, you know, his first NFL start. Um, but that should not be the case. I mean, it, it, the Browns should, if they were able to put up 29 last week against the chiefs, this should be a 30 easy without even really putting in much of an effort. Well, like, Ross Blacklock played well last week against former the former Pete Smith favorite. Yeah, I mean, he's nice. I think he's still going to be an, a nice player. Charles Amenahu is another guy I like. Um, he played reasonably well. Um, but, like, the Malik, Malik Collins was awful um, up front. Their linebackers, other than Chris Kirksey, couldn't play dead. I mean, they were had, you know, in terms of PFF, if you're – for people who, who like that, they were – Zach uh, – Cunningham and, and Kruger Hill graded out worse than Mac Wilson did, but Chris Kirksey played really, really well. And the thing is with Chris Kirksey, he always plays really, really well. The problem is that he gets hurt. So like he'll play outstanding mm-hmm. and then, you know, bust a peck or hurt his knee or something. So like right now he played great and he's still healthy. So he's now potentially a threat. Um, but in terms of their DBs, very average, other than Justin Reed, who I think is a really good football player. Terrence Mitchell, Vernon Hargreaves, Eric Murray. I mean, these are guys that, you know, would be backups, end of the roster guys for the Browns right now. So, I mean, the the guys they see in practice are better, or at least when they were playing, you know, the ones-on-ones. Um, so, I, I don't 
suspect this. I, I don't see where the the Texans are going to suddenly be able to take things away. For example, if they if they're playing Anthony Schwartz again, I don't know who's going to be able to run with him. Um, I don't. You know, once again, I find myself in a situation uh, going, who's going to cover David Njoku? Is it going to be Reed? And if it is Reed and he can do it, that at least opens up opportunities somewhere else. So I mean, just in the way the Browns can sort of press on defenses and stress them and, and all these other things. I think they're going to find a ton of success uh, against this team. Uh, and I think in so many ways, it's it's less about the Texans and more about the Browns just doing what they're supposed to do. Uh, execution, of course. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr. going to miss his second game. Uh, the Browns playing the cautious approach here and probably the right one. Um, and if you look at it, um, uh, Odell Beckham, uh, suffered his injury five weeks later in the year last year than Saquon Barkley did. And, you know, you saw, uh, if you watched last night, Saquon Barkley, you know, the juice certainly not back yet. It's a little bit different at the wide receiver position, less clutter, more room to actually run, but even still, you know, uh, just pay, uh, playing it patient. Um, you brought up Anthony Schwartz, Donovan Peoples-Jones. Um, Schwartz, you know, where it came to, you know, uh, ahead, I guess, last week, where the Chiefs were basically started off with, you know, who the hell is this guy to, oh, my God, we're worried about this guy again, and started to go into you know, almost a Greg Williams-style defense of making sure there was a safety, you know, 15, 20 yards over the top of Anthony Schwartz. Um, is this maybe, Pete, and as you mentioned here, you know, where, you, you know, who's going to cover David Njoku? Um, Anthony Schwartz now, obviously, you know, has got his had a bit of a reputation is this something maybe where it opens things up for Donovan Peoples-Jones or Jarvis Landry, Austin Hooper, and, of course, you know, your favorite backfield gadget, Pete, Mr. Kareem Hunt? Well, it certainly should. I mean, that was the big the big takeaway from the first week is just how much spacing they created. Um, and, and obviously, I think everybody would like to see more from Donovan Peoples-Jones. He caught one ball for four yards. Um, you know, that's that feels like something that, whether it's, you know, September or November, somewhere down the line this year, he's going to at least start contributing uh, in, a, in a bigger way than he did last year. So, yeah, I mean, look, it, it, this week, the Texans don't offer much in the way of size, uh, particularly in the outside. So that could be a good opportunity for him. But yeah, I mean, the spacing created place for everybody else. As I said, about last week, David Njoku is the only like game-changing receiving threat they had. Their receivers, by and large, were just average. But the amount of spacing they created and the amount of things they can do allowed Baker Mayfield to just sort of pick apart the defense and find guys in spots that made them look, uh, gave them opportunities to make plays. So like Anthony Schwartz goes 44 yards. If he doesn't fall down, he scores easily. Um, Jarvis Landry... Um, catches that sort of orbit motion pass and jumps over the defender, which, you know, would look great. Um, those type of things. But yes, you know, Kareem Hunt on the screen in the, in the fourth quarter, it looked like it was going to be the start of a good drive. I mean, I still would like to see him do more things like that. And this is a team where I think you can do that. If you're asking um, Zach Cunningham or, uh, you know, Kamu Kruger Hill to guard him out of the backfield. I just don't know that they can, I don't think they can do that. So you're, you force them to make a decision. I think that's always going to benefit you, even if it's just to um, create an opportunity for somebody else. Pete Baker Mayfield did not throw a touchdown pass in week one. What Browns receiving option 
catches Baker Mayfield's first touchdown pass of the 2021 season on Sunday. Darren Fells. Um, I, <laughs> I don't know. Like, it wouldn't surprise me in the least if it was just Anthony Schwartz, except he doesn't yep. fall down and he scores. Like, but my my, if I had to guess on one, I'd say to uh, David Njoku. He, uh, if he can, if if what we saw week one is just who he is now, and I have every reason to believe it is, he's gonna just absolutely kill people. And you know, he's big and strong. If you find him open over the top or underneath and he can make a guy miss he's fast enough to to get in the end zone and if they're down near the red zone and they throw it um he's the guy who would likely get the ball in that situation so i think Najoku's the guy who will ultimately get that first touchdown with his size his athleticism his speed you're a defensive back you can't go over him you can't go around him you can't go through him and it just you know makes for you know an absolute you know nightmare yeah, as far as, you know, covering number 85. And, you know, obviously he was able to catch everything thrown his way on Sunday. Uh, you know, the big reception, uh, you know, in the first half where he was able to go, you know, down the field, you know, basically block out the uh, block out the defensive back, make that play. The one in the second half with absolute rainbow from Baker, perfect, right in the hands. Uh, so for that, you know, David Njoku, I'm actually going to go Anthony Schwartz. I think there'll be some sort of either busted coverage or the fact that, you know, until you actually see how fast Anthony Schwartz is, you don't or aren't necessarily ready for it. So, but either way, Baker will break that snide on Sunday. We are going to get to some predictions, some game thoughts as we continue here. Your week two pregame show of Locked On Browns. We're back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back to start another football season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, BetOnline.ag continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. That's double your initial deposit just for signing up. Don't forget to use the promo code NFL100. From football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online, your online sports book experts. Pete, last week we had talked about this and we discussed, you know, the Chiefs game, both of us, actually, I think you had it as three. I think I had it at four. We felt the Browns were going to put up a really good effort. We didn't have the confidence that the Browns were going to be able to pull it out. Again, yes, they should have. Um, but you look at this, and again, a line anywhere between 11.5 to 12.5. This is not just a winnable game for the Cleveland Browns, Pete. This is one where they, you know, I don't want to necessarily should run away with it, but this is one they should win very handedly. And I, I would have liked the Texans' chances a little bit better if the Browns had maybe pulled off the W Sunday in Kansas City. Not saying that they w- would have lost their focus, none of that stuff, because that's just not the that's a thing of the past. It's not the way this team is done. Um, but maybe a little bit, you know, of just a letdown. Um, if the Browns had pulled that off Sunday against Kansas City, I just don't see any way that is going to happen this week. Pretty much for me, I, I see all gas, no break, and I see the Browns winning this one pretty handily. Yeah, the spread is like 12 and a half, 13. I think the Browns will be over it. Um, I think it's going to be 
a game where the Browns want to go out and sort of make a statement to themselves as much as everybody else. Um, you know, players like Baker Mayfield seeing all this criticism about how poorly he played because people who tuned in, you know, basically for the last drive assumed that was that, that he was just not good when he was great. So I think there's a lot of that element of that, you know, maybe Anthony Schwartz's confidence, given the fact that he was able to go out there and um, he's more comfortable and ready to, you know, capitalize on those explosive plays and maybe just the element of the improvement you make from week one to week two could be significant for the Browns. So uh, I just, they, they are, they are two scores better than the Houston Texans. Does it get out of hand? I don't know, but I just don't see how the Texans are good enough to stay that close with the Browns this year. In years past, this is exactly what would happen with the Browns. They'd rarely put this type of team away. Mm -hmm. Have the firepower to do it on both sides of the ball. And that's going to be the key here. Look, I mean, you know, we saw it several times last year. Um, If they do get the big lead, you know, is the defense going to be able to handle it, you know, and hopefully (laughs) that's going to be the case because uh, there's a lot invested there with just the purpose uh, of, you know, taking these type of games, making them quick, making them easy, not drawing them out to the point where they go three hours and 45 minutes like last year against the Tennessee Titans on the road. Um, I do want to just close with this here. Um, The talk, Pete, apparently, you know, Reuben Foster going to work out for the Browns today. Um, As everybody knows, Pete and I are usually not huge fans of these type of guys. And, you know, the Browns, you know, and everybody wants to bring up Malik Dowell. um, But Malik Dowell is a little bit of a different story. Malik Dowell's issues were more to himself. Um, For Reuben Foster, and, you know, look, and first thing first, folks, is he's pretty injured. Um, you know, as far as, you know, injuries is sustained, you know, so his a lot of wear and tear on him for his age. Um, but Pete, you know, the off field stuff, that's one thing, but when the off field stuff, um, you know, it carries a bag of, you know, multiple DV run-ins, this one is, it's a lot harder to swallow and you can't say, oh, well, things worked out with Malik McDowell. Um, so maybe this is why we would entertain something like this. Uh, so Ruben Foster's missed 48 games due to injury. Um, he is 27. He's been out of the league since 2019. Uh, his initial arrest for domestic violence turned out to be the, the woman who accused him um, had been in a fight with another woman and basically blamed all the injuries uh, of the, that she sustained in said fight on foster and ultimately her her attorney is the one who told her told uh the the uh, prosecution or whatever that 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 is what uh that was happening so those charges were ultimately dismissed mm-hmm. the bigger problem so when he, he would later get arrested again for domestic violence the 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 biggest issue and i don't know whatever what happened or didn't happen with that uh the biggest issue with that is it was with the same woman like mm-hmm. This was the part that was really, really frustrating. This woman almost derailed your career once, so you were stupid enough to stick around and then have it derail your career. So, so that's when the 49ers cut bait, like the day after. I don't oh, know. Oh, like, they were on the road. I think. I think it was. Yeah, they, they, I think they traveled to Miami. They, you know, it was one of the games where you know you brought your family or your, you know, your close, you know, your close ones with you, and yeah, it, it had happened in the hotel, the team hotel. <laughs> so, so I don't even know if. They thought the, the the 49ers thought he actually did this or not. 
but I but I do think at least part of the equation with them releasing him had everything to do with seeing the same woman involved and just like we're not dealing with this anymore. The Washington football team claims him on waivers. Uh, then he immediately gets hurt after he uh, he gets put on the uh, the commissioner's exempt list for a while. Then the, he comes back uh, the next year and immediately gets hurt. So he's had uh, a, an, a, at least one arrest for uh, marijuana, which, you know, whatever. Uh, but that's the thing with him. I, I, I don't know if he's ever actually hit a woman, but he is consistently putting himself in bad situations. Maybe that has gotten better, but there's just a lot with him where, you know, you have to get through a, a whole lot of hurdles to be like, okay with him. And and I don't think it's for an active roster spot. I think this is about the practice squad, but even then it's still a lot. Um, and, and, you know, I was critical when they added Malik McDowell I, and, it, and it worked so far. It's been great. So good on them. I, I, I to me, I, I just, everything about Ruben Foster just feels in a word icky. Um, so I just don't know if this is the way to go um, to look for it, but they know more about it than I do. And maybe uh, there's something there, but it just, again, icky. I, it doesn't feel nothing about Ruben Foster feels like good. Well, and, and look, I mean, and this all comes down to, look, I mean, he could look like, I mean, he could look like dog crap today in, in a workout and, you know, maybe the Browns move on. Um, but even, you know, the, the due, you know, all the due diligence, da, 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 uh, just, you know, there's a lot here. And the problem is, is, you know, you hope in maybe two years, his decision-making has gotten a lot better with his life. Um, but, you know, we've, we're talking about a franchise here that got burned one too many times by uh, Josh Gordon, who apparently is eligible to maybe rejoin the league again, whatever the hell that all means. Um, but that is it folks. That is your week two pregame show. Again, Houston Texans coming to first energy Sunday, one o'clock for your Browns home opener uh, should be, it should be quite the sight, um, you know, with the Browns obviously coming off, you know, the playoff win last year, uh, finally getting a packed house back again in the first energy. The crowd is going to be, I mean, to say amped is probably the biggest understatement I could put towards it. It's going to be a fired up, rowdy bunch Sunday. Um, a lot of fun and spice to it with, you know, as Pete said, eight former Cleveland Browns coming to town. You know, some of those guys, you know, uh, you know, part of getting this franchise where it is now players like Terrence Mitchell um, was never really a star here, but was kind of uh, one of the glue pieces you could always count on week in week out to go out there and kind of do his thing, hold it down a little bit. So it'd be nice to see him. It's going to be weird to see him obviously playing for somebody else, but you know, and Christian Kirksey, who, you know, probably some of the greatest things he did while he was with the Browns probably were off the field due to all the time he was injured, but was really, really great in the community, solid guy. And I still go back to Christian Kirksey, um, during Baker's rookie year as the run started in Christian Kirksey, who was out obviously injured early in the season for the year, um, you know, showing all the videos from in the locker room and just, you know, enjoying the ride, so to speak. So going to be some weird role reversals as these guys come in as foes, um, you know, and they were kind of here as, you know, this franchise started to uh, basically turn it around and trend upwards. He is Pete Smith. Browns Digest on SportsIllustrated.com. Make, uh, make sure you are, you know, following all the work over there. You know, listen to the podcast. Uh, you know, for Pete's sake, obviously, Pete and Nicole do a fantastic job over there. If you haven't caught it this week, I suggest you do. Got a little spicy and fun and entertaining, which was always good. 
Um, so again, make sure you're following Browns Digest. Make sure you're following at underscore Pete Smith underscore the show itself, Lockdown Browns. As you guys know, follow back account. DMs are always open. Me personally at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Uh, Lockdown Browns is available free on all your podcast platforms. Make sure you're following or subscribed and leave those five-star ratings and written reviews. We will be back at it when the final gun sounds on Sunday, as we will hopefully and most uh, certainly, I believe, talking about your first Browns victory of the season as Cleveland Browns look to enter the world of one-and-one against the Houston Texans on Sunday. This has been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. LGB on the LOB. Let's go Browns.